Good morning everybody, it is Thursday 15th of April and the market looking a little bit shabby today, down 33 points. That compares to yesterday's gain of 46 points. Overnight, a bit of reversal from the day before in the US, the Dow Jones up 54 and the Nasdaq down 1%. Bond yields actually rose a little bit, so that sort of fits the pattern. But bond yields are arguably still falling in the US or tr beginning to trend down rather than sideways. And the market is clearly going risk on again. And you can see that in the performance of technology, the Nasdaq, Bitcoin, all the sentiment-driven sectors that are hard to value. Main event overnight was the US Investment Bank results. I'll come to them in a minute. A few other quick things going on. Bank of Queensland have had a pretty good profit number up 66%. I think their rebound in earnings, which was really expected to show up in the next six months, is coming a little bit earlier than expected. Statutory profit up 66%. Cash earnings up 9%. And their dividend 17 cents, they are expected to pay out about 37 cents this year. Pre-pandemic, they were paying out 73 cents a year, then 63 cents a year. So they're still well off normalizing dividends back to pre-pandemic levels. And that may follow through for the other banks as well. We've got results from ANZ, Westpac and NAB coming up in early May. And we have Macquarie on May the 7th. But a generally good backdrop to the Bank of Queensland results. As I say, share price is up 1.5% when the rest of the banks are down today. Margins were up. Capital ratios are up. Nothing to worry about there. Have surprised on the upside to some extent. Otherwise, with the market flying along, the capital raisings are accelerating. Regis has got a $494 million placement. Strike Energy, $75 million. Coinbase, which is a company that provides a cryptocurrency platform for everyone from retail to fund managers in the US, listed yesterday in the US and closed up 31% on the day. That, that company is worth 88 billion in the US, which makes it bigger. That's Aussie dollars, which makes it bigger than the ANZ. So cryptocurrency is real at the moment. Plenty of dollars being made. I haven't touched it because I'm over 30 and that possibly has been a mistake. I think I should have launched a crypto newsletter. Maybe I still should. A crypto newsletter, 100 bucks a year and we'll write about crypto for you. I would have got 100,000 subscribers. I'd be on a beach by now. Anyway, another capital raising today is Zip, Z1P. And they've already done that deal. It's a convertible, convertible in 2028. Converts at the equivalent of a 35% premium to the current share price. The founders have sold a couple of million shares between them. The share price is up 1% on the back of that. It was initially down about 3%, I believe. And I've got a section in the strategy piece today on Z1P. I looked at that UBS analysts research and a load of other research in the last 24 hours on Z1P after their quarterly update. And this is the analyst that's got a target price of 650 when the share price is 961. And you wonder why a big broker like UBS would beat up on buy now, pay later, an industry that's obviously got a lot of growth left in it and is attracting a lot of corporate business as well as equity trading business. And with a negative view like that, they're going to miss out a lot on a lot of business. But as you, look, as you read the research, you realize that they are perhaps it's a UBS template 
but they have used an equity DCF methodology for their valuation, which is a discounted cash flow valuation. Most of you will know what that is. If you don't, you're missing out on one of the wonders of life. Anyway, their equity DCF methodology dictates because there are no earnings that the valuations are going to be very low on buy now pay later players which are not making profits but are growing in asset but I was more interested in the detail in the research which suggests that the Australian business if you look at the numbers these are my words not his or hers uh, that they expect the Australian business to triple in the next five years the US business to grow 17 times larger and the UK business to get going as well from a zero base it basically says buy now pay later still in its infancy especially in the US and the best US players are in Australia listed in Australia obviously APT and quad pay their quad pay TTV, which doesn't stand for Table Tennis Victoria. It stands for Total Transaction Value. The quad pay TTV was 31% ahead of Citigroup's estimate. It's the seasonally weakest quarter after the December quarter, but it was up 14% on the December quarter. The other takeaway from the research is that Z1P, if you could compare APT to Z1P in terms of quality, and I'm not sure you can, but the only real way that the analysts are valuing these companies or on a relative valuation base using to value companies relative to each other is on an enterprise value, which is basically the size of the company over revenue. So it's the size of the company versus its revenue, not its profit, its revenue. And all the brokers seem to come to the same conclusion that APT is more expensive than Z1P. If you look at Enterprise value over revenue, Z1P's on 18 times, APT's on 33 times. So that was the other takeaway that Z1P is possibly the cheaper, not really the right word, is possibly the cheaper play. Although you might also note, and Henry pointed that out in his section a couple of days ago, that Z1P may be cheaper than APT, but it's twice the price on an earnings value to revenue number. It's twice as expensive as the other players and Henry was pointing out his mate at Shore Partners thinks OpenPay OPY is the cheapest of them all. Anyway, as noted yesterday, we upped our holdings in Z1P and APT on the recent fall and we're happy to hold them both. It's obviously going to be a volatile ride. If the market gets hit, these stocks will get hit hardest or harder because of their lack of fundamental depth. And we'll have to trade the peaks and troughs to make sure we don't get hurt. But happy in principle to continue to play in BNPL. Right, the other thing I've covered today in the strategy piece is Macquarie. Macquarie's results coming on the 7th of May. I've always thought Macquarie is a great investment. 14,000 of Australia's smartest people with one purpose in mind, which is to make money. And as you'll see overnight, Goldman Sachs has had a good set of results. They were up 2.3%. JP Morgan was down 1.87%. Wells Fargo was up 5.5% on results. But Goldman Sachs is up 148% from the pandemic low. JP Morgan, 97%. And this is an example of US investment banks being possibly the most or the best positioned companies in the world to benefit out of money printing. Hand them money and they will get a better return if you hand it to them for nothing. And there was some comment in Bloomberg on Bloomberg 
about how Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan were asked not to exploit the opportunity, but they have clearly gouged everybody to see, and these are fairly astonishing numbers, Goldman Sachs earned more money in three months than they've ever earned in a quarter in the last 10 years. And JP Morgan saw sales up 25% in the last three months. They are absolutely taking advantage of this temporary, or is it permanent, money printing opportunity to make money. Anyway, all that can't be bad for Macquarie with results coming up. Of course, whether that's in the price or not is a different question. Macquarie's trading on a PE of 19.2 times. Its average over the last year was 14.6 times. I've got a chart of that PE history. So looking a bit inflated, but a PE is a function of a price and earnings number, and the earnings number is obviously a bit deflated after the last year. And it'll be interesting to see what the PE is after the results are out, after earnings have normalized a little bit, in which case the PE may come rattling down even if the share price doesn't. Earnings in the last six-month period dropped 35%, and in the the six months before that, 28%. So a recovery is on the way for a lot of stocks, including financials. Anyway, let's see what the results are like. We continue to hold overweight positions in Macquarie in both our SMAs. I've put the broker stuff in there. Interestingly, Citigroup, one of their competitors, has a sell recommendation, which it put out earlier this week with a target price 19% below the current share price. So it's not a slam dunk holding it into results. They're worried about Macquarie providing guidance for an earnings fall in 2022. Not that they'd expect that, but they think Macquarie will be conservative with their guidance. Anyway, Macquarie results coming up. We're happy to hold. And the U.S. investment bank results suggesting that we do just that. Right, a few other little items. Bernie Madoff died. 82 he was in prison, serving a 150-year sentence for a Ponzi scheme, which was better than the original Ponzi scheme. $19 billion lost in that scheme. It's not actually very funny at all. Uh, Canada have also launched an inverse Bitcoin ETF. The U.S., I think, has prevented anyone launching an ETF over cryptocurrencies. Anyway, you can now go short Bitcoin through a Canadian ETF listed, I assume, in Toronto. Code BITI, B-I-T-I. Bitcoin has been a 10-bagger in the last year. As I say, I'm over 30, so I just don't get it. And that might be one of the things on my gravestone. Didn't get cryptocurrency. Maybe I should have done more work. Right, I put a couple of charts in today. Newcrest and Northern Star. I could have put any gold stock in really, but both of them have absolutely blasted technical buy signals in the last couple of weeks. You might have a look at those. We wondered whether gold was going to turn around. We don't think there's a good story for gold, not in a bull market. So it's a trade to us and so we're not going to bother. But some of you might well be tempted and those charts certainly look worth a punt. Oh, uh, thank you very much to the member that emailed us, BET or BET, which is one of our holdings in the growth SMA, which we're up 20% or so now, 25%, jumped 5% the other day. I think one of our lesser competitors put out a extreme buy recommendation. I think you'd only call, I've always had a bit of a laugh about people that put out conviction buy recommendations. All that says to me is that nobody takes any notice of our normal buy recommendation. So we call it something else, conviction buy recommendation. So an extreme buy recommendation on BET. We do hold it anyway. So happy to see that. 
Right, lastly, I put in an invitation to members yesterday to hit a button, which I've put in the strategy piece yet again today, to hit a button and answer the question in less than 50 words. If you could pass on just one piece of investment wisdom to other Marcus Today members, what would it be? And we've had a host of replies. I've put them into a separate article because I can't edit yesterday's newsletter. So I've put them in a separate article. You can continue to hit the button, send your wisdom, the ones I loved most. One of them was the advice to stay married to avoid a 50% drawdown, at which point, of course, some of you are probably groaning going, oh, 75% more like. But the other one I thought was my favorite and gets the prize is... This one, the first 60 years are the hardest. <laughs> Gold. Anyway, thank you very much for that. Plenty more wisdom. Go and have a look at the article. Right, that's about that. As I leave you, Bank of Queensland drifting away, up 0.2% now. Market drifting away, down 23. Dow futures are up a healthy 52 and quietly inching higher. We have jobs numbers today, more U.S. results coming out, Citigroup and Bank of America tonight, Morgan Stanley, State Street and Bank of New York on Friday. Next week, we've got a whole load. We've got a, Tom does a U.S. reporting calendar. You can get that off the calendars tab at the top of the newsletter. I've provided a link today, but that gives you a look at all the major results coming out in the U.S., Next week, we've got Coca-Cola, Johnson Johnson, Procter Gamble, Netflix, AT&T, Intel, and Amex. And then, of course, we have the Chinese GDP number on Friday, plus industrial production, retail sales. But the GDP number will be interesting. As I say, they seem to be capable of calculating that number two weeks after the end of the quarter, where it takes the Western world six or eight weeks. Let's see what they have to say. Obviously relevant to Australia and most of all to resources. Resources, which are doing rather well today. BHP up 2.2%. Rio up 1.6% against the trend. Uh, The other thing overnight was the oil prices up 4.9% on the back of some EIA inventory numbers. Lowest inventories in the US since February. So the energy sector having a good day today. Ampol have had a quarterly as well, up 4.7%. New Zealand house prices up 24% in the last 12 months, by the way. A little bit better than us, but I think we're doing okay there as well. Right, you have a fabulous day. I will speak to you tomorrow.